And so I'm excited. If you can't tell, I'm excited about what just took place this last week and where we're headed as a church. Um, God is on the move. He's up to good things. And it's good to be a part of that with you guys here. Um, I get the awesome privilege of sharing with you uh, God's word this morning. We got about a half hour left. So we'll pray over that, um, that if God wants us to get out of here early, you can pray and see what God does. Maybe God will give the pastor a really short message or if we stay here for the three hours. I don't know. Um, I, I was encouraged because I felt bad. Our, our baptism service went two and a half hours and I was like, oh my gosh, it's a really long time. And then someone texts me, don't worry, pastor. I just heard another person say their pap- baptism service went eight hours. So I was like, oh, two and a half hours, who cares? So I'm like, so if today's service goes for six hours, we don't care, right? Like, who cares? No, just kidding. Um, only half kidding. Um, because I want what the Holy Spirit wants, and, I, and I, I'm willing to go wherever he leads. And if that looks crazy, if that looks different, then I'm all in. And so um, this morning, we are going to be looking at um, some scriptures, specifically some of the last words of Jesus. We kind of heard a lot about Jesus. I hope you hear a lot about Jesus when you come to church. We heard about um, his birth, right? His, his death, his resurrection. And we're going to look specifically um, the first last words of Jesus. Does that make sense? Yes. The last words of Jesus here on earth that are red letters in our Bible, but the first of the last ones. Does that make sense? Um, if you were here on Easter the last several years, I talk about it often. There's one word I really want to highlight. Uh, I'll probably highlight it again, but Easter, I always get this one. The very first red letter of the resurrected Christ I always talk about. Uh, but we're going to talk about some more things. We're going to talk about, uh, and we're going to go backwards. We're going to look at all four Gospels. So instead of going Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, we're going to go John, right, backwards. So we're going to start in John. If you want to turn to your Bibles, you can start turning to John. And before, as you're turning there, I think most of us know probably the f- most famous Bible verse in the Bible, right? John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so um, that word that I want to hang on in that scripture is that word believe, God loves us. You heard the story already that he, he looks at us. He, he stoops down. He lifts our, our chin. He loves us so much, but sometimes we have to believe that. Actually, God loves the whole world, but the whole world doesn't believe that. Praise God, there's people in this room. You believe God loves you, right? That's, uh, my mom is, is, a, is an evangelist. That is her gift. Everywhere she goes, she talks about Jesus, and she brings people to Christ at the gas station. No joke. Um, at her own doctor's appointments, everywhere she goes, she just loves talking about Jesus. And one of the most powerful things she says is she just says, you know what? You need to hear this. She'll just talk to a stranger. God loves you. And not just God, Jesus, his son. He really likes you. He loves you. And she just, she just comes out with that conversation. People are like, okay. But she just goes for it. And she just tells people. And it's amazing how many people end up believing my mom. I think he does love me. And then they accept Christ. And it all comes in. Maybe they've heard that truth before. But hearing it from my mom, they actually believed it. When she said it, I believe you. And that's where faith began. That's where their relationship with Christ, that's where eternity was forever changed because of they believed in it. And so I want to talk about belief this morning. How many of you are a believer? All right, so let's say it. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I'm going to make you say it two more times. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. One more time. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. All right. So we're believers in this room. If you leave here and you're not a believer, you're going to get an opportunity at the end to be a believer. But you just identified yourself as a believer. You believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that he rose again, right? Most of us believe those things, which is great. So let's look what Jesus says in his Gospels about believing in him, what his last words are. So John 
chapter 20. We're looking at the very end. Chapter 21, if you didn't know, that was like an extra add-on that is not in any other Gospels. And I love it. I'm glad that John added it. But it's not the typical Gospel story. So we're going to go back to his first last words, not in chapter 21, but in chapter 20. Um, And he says this in verse 15. So chapter 20, verse 15. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? His first last words as a resurrected Christ is to a woman. And he's saying, why are you sad? Why are you crying? And to me, I'm like, Jesus, are you really asking this question? Like, think about the context of the story. He's talking to Mary, right? Mary, the person that Jesus saved, right? Delivered from demons. Maybe uh, we, we get some Mary's mixed up here. Broke the alabaster box, the poured the perfume, the expensive perfume, all these different things. All we know is that Mary, this Mary was at Jesus' feet as he was crucified. She watched him being tortured to death and give up his last breath. She watched him being buried. And so she's crying because her best friend and her savior just died. And Jesus shows up and says, hey, why are you crying? It seems a little bit ironic to me. Jesus is asking, why are you crying? And sometimes we read this story and we just think because he's getting to the point. But actually, I take him at his word. Jesus is actually confused. Why are you crying that I died and I told you how many times that I would be resurrected to life? You take down this temple and I'll bring it back in three days. Right? He kept saying, the Son of Man must be crucified. He kept talking all these things. And so he's like, Why are you sad? You think the devil actually won? You think I lost? You think I was murdered and I didn't know that was going to happen? He is confused. Why are you sad? I feel like Jesus is saying the same thing to a lot of churchgoers today. Why are you sad? Your political person didn't win. Bad things are happening in your nation. Bad things are happening around the world. Why are you? You think the devil is actually winning? We need to hear this. What are you believing? You believe what the news tells you. You believe what the enemy tells you. You believe what the emotions tell you. You believe what circumstances tell you. Do you believe what Jesus says? I've overcome the world. Yes, you're going to have trials. You're going to have difficulties. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. He's confused. I'm telling you, Jesus is confused. I give Mary a lot of slack. Like, come on, Jesus. Like, really, that's your first? No, I take him at his word. In his right mind, he is confused why Mary is weeping. When in our logic, reasonable mind, we partner with Mary. Like, come on, reason says everyone was confused. Like, give Mary a break. And Jesus, he doesn't give her a break. I feel like Jesus this morning, he's not giving the church a break. Why are you weeping? Why are you sad? Whom are you looking, who are you looking for? Are you looking for a pastor to bring you into revival? Are you looking for a a president to do this for you? Are you looking for a governor to do that? Who are you looking for? The Jews in Jesus' day, they missed Jesus. They were looking for a deliverer. They were looking for a Messiah. And they didn't find him. Jesus, I think, is asking the same question to us today. Who are you looking for? Why are you sad? What is wrong with you? Right? What are you believing? It's amazing. And so he says this to Mary. His first last words are to Mary. And then he shows up to the rest of the 12, right? Or the 11 disciples. Judas, not going all that, but he wasn't there. Um, 
So he talks to Mary, then he comes. So that's verse 15, 16. Oh, no, let's stop. Before I go, to, before I go, I didn't get to 16. I love it. So he says, who are you looking for? Right? She says, oh, she thinks he's the gardener. Sir, if you've taken him away, let me know. I'll go get him. And then he says this. Jesus says to her, Mary. He says her name. I think this is so, because then you read it, right? Then she says, Rabboni, teacher. She recognizes him. At first, when he asked her a question, why are you crying? Why are you troubled? What are you looking for? She doesn't recognize Jesus. It's some, some person that's putting salt in my wound. Why are you crying? I'm crying. I'll tell you why I'm crying, right? But then when he says, Mary, oh, then she recognized. See, I love that about Jesus. I don't know about you, but that's my relationship with him. Sometimes he comes. I, said, I remember I had people come to me. That my, when I was the youth pastor, and I gave a message on Sunday mornings. I did that a few times. Like our youth pastor gives messages. Um, I remember one time I got up here and I said, you know, yesterday the Holy Spirit just slapped me. And, you know, and I, I was just talking and I had people come to me, Pastor, you shouldn't say that. The Holy Spirit doesn't slap you. I'm like, I don't know about you and your relationship with your Lord, but with me and my God, he slaps me. <laughs> he tells me, what are you doing, Ryan? He comes to me like, Mary, why are you sad? And I give him all these reasons. He's like, yet none of those are good reasons. I don't know, he, he slaps me, he rebukes me, he disciplines those whom he loves. So I know for me, Jesus does that. But then I thank God, that's not my only interaction with him. He's like, Ryan, he says my name, and I'm like, oh, the flood of the truth of who he says I am. Oh, I was wallowing in what I thought, what other people thought about who I am. But when he says my name, oh, this is who you say I am. It's amazing. So I love that Jesus reveals himself, yes, in a rebuke, in a correction, but also in a loving way and saying, I'm, my face is upon you. Look up, look up. And so he's talking to us, but what are you believing? Are you believing God actually loves you in the midst of all your trials and difficulties? Okay, really quick, not in my notes, but thought of this. Job, the story of Job. We read that and we're like, man, that poor guy went through a lot of trials, a lot of difficulties, right? A lot of bad things happened. But read the story. All these bad things happened, and we, we love the beginning of Job, right? And he says, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He gets it right at first, even when everything goes wrong. But then after days and weeks go by, and he's got friends telling him that there must be sin in your life. There's all these bad things. And he begins to process all. He begins to question God's goodness. God, where were you? I, I didn't sin. I didn't deserve this. Why did you? And he begins to question God. And then God shows up a very different way. He doesn't come this loving father and, and lift up his chin and look in his eyes and love on him. What does he do to Job? He comes to him in a whirlwind. And he says, gird yourself like a man. I'm not stooping down to talk to a little kid right now. Be a man. Let's talk face to face. Man to man. Where were you when I made the world? Where were you? Why, how dare you question me? See, it's amazing. What we believe about God determines our entire life. If we believe that God is just this justice, mean, enacting God, then it determines how we live our life. If we believe that God is just nothing but grace and Santa Claus, and he just gives us good things and nothing but good things, and it determines our life of, Wait, we need correction. We need rebuke. We need to actually change from our ways. So what we believe about God is huge. 
It determines everything. That is the biggest decision you'll ever make in your life is what you believe about God. Man, I'm preaching on that first verse, and I got a whole lot more to go for. Um, so what are you looking for? He says they're Mary. So finally he shows it to the disciples, all right? And he speaks specifically this time to Thomas. And you all know if you're into Sunday school, what's the nickname we have for Thomas? Doubting, Doubting Thomas, right? And so this is what he says to Thomas in, in chapter 20, verse 27. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Red letters in your Bible. Jesus said it to Thomas. I believe Jesus is saying it today to the church, to Osborne Neighborhood Church, to you specifically. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Wait a second. I just asked everyone in this room, are you a believer? We all said yes. Thomas was a believer. Thomas was one of the 12. He was a believer. And Jesus came to him and said, don't be an unbeliever. Wait, I'm your disciple, Jesus. Yeah, don't be an unbeliever. Jesus is saying that today. We just all confess we're believers, and he's telling us today, don't be an unbeliever. There's things in your life that you are not believing God for. And this, is, this message is not a message about you don't have enough faith. If you just had enough faith, God could do these other things. That is not the tone or where we're going this message. But he is highlighting this morning, Jesus is highlighting that there's unbelief. I love about the father. He brought his son, right, who was demon-possessed and had all these issues. He said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. What a healthy statement. I believe. I am a believer. But I recognize that God needs to come into my life and show me where I'm not believing. And so I welcome that this morning. I hope you welcome that, that God can come in and love on you and encourage you like his child. And then he can talk to you like a man and say, let's talk about business here. There's some things in your life where the fruit of your belief is exactly what it is. You have unbelief, and so you are producing unbelief fruit, where you could have belief and have fruit of being a believer. So we're going to talk about that. Jesus says, don't be an unbeliever, but be believing. So we'll keep going. So that's John. We'll go to Luke. Don't worry, it gets way nicer as we get into Luke. Luke 24, 25. This is what Jesus says. 24, 25. Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart. What does it say? I have just that in my notes. Then he said to them, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. These are his first words to his beloved disciples as the resurrected Christ. Oh, foolish ones. Isn't that so encouraging? But I feel like that's part of the message this morning. Jesus is saying, we are acting like fools when we don't believe. He is truly confused. How could you not believe me? Like, I made heaven and earth. I made time and space. And yet you don't believe me? He's, he's, he, it blows his mind. How do these people that I died for them, I gave them everything, and yet they still don't believe me? And I, I'm not giving you a lot of specifics because I feel like the Holy Spirit this morning wants to pinpoint some things in your life. What are you not believing God for? And this is not like, some people already, I can, I can sense it already in the room, and this is not in my mind at all until just now, so it means someone in this room is thinking of it. I'm not saying that if you just believe for a Ferrari, God's going to give you a Ferrari. That's not, this is not that, what I'm saying this morning. 
Lisa said that she was going to fast fear. So she's made a decision one time and she never has fear the rest of her life, right? No. But there's things, there's this process that we don't believe God is as good as he says he is. If you ever have worry or anxiety in your life, that means that's talking about your belief. If you are fearful, that is your belief. You are believing that God is not going to show up. You are believing that the enemy is winning. You are believing that your faith is in the wrong God. There are things that God is highlighting this morning that I can't go through them all in this room, but I guarantee you, no one is exempt. Everyone in this room, you have something the Lord is saying that you are not believing me for. Or your level of belief is not what you say it is. And so he calls us foolish. It's encouraging, loving Father. Oh, foolish ones, and slow to believe. Do you know that it's foolish to be slow to believe? There's times where God has spoken to me and it's taking me a long time to believe me, to believe what he said. I'll be honest with you. As a young kid, as a youth in this church, I can remember sitting in a pew right around there where the Fowler family is. I can remember sitting right around those pews and I can remember the pastor giving a message and this really random thought that I thought was just random in my own brain, did not think it was a God thought. I remember thinking as the pastor was saying that, I was like, that's a really good point. I need to remember that so I can preach that one day. I was like, wait, what? Where'd that thought come from? I had no belief as a kid that I'd be a, a pastor one day. Like, what? I'm not going to be a pastor? Like, I looked at myself so differently than the way God looked at me. But that was a thought, that was a God thought that came to my mind as a little kid. And it took a long time for me to finally believe that I'm supposed to be a pastor. God calls that foolishness. Slow to believe. So I'm not like trying to point fingers out here. We're all in this bucket. There's times where God has spoken things to us. We're like, oh, I'm not sure about that, God. Even last Sunday, right? When Jen did things during worship, like she had to step out and leave. I think we're not supposed to leave worship. She was trying to get answers from me. If you didn't know, I'm just throwing her on the bus. She was texting the pastor. Hey, I'm thinking about this. What should we do? And God knew that I wasn't supposed to look at my phone because I didn't even know. I, I would not be a mean husband and do that. But God knew better for me not to even look at my phone to put her in the fire, right? So I didn't get to make the decision. She had to make the decision. Are you going to believe me? Or are you going to believe the pastor or your husband? Believe me, right? There's these things where God is saying, don't be slow to believe. That's foolishness. And then he asked the question, why are you troubled? Why do you let doubts arise? Why are you troubled? Why are you anxious? Why are you confused? Why are... He's, he's asking these questions to his disciples. The same thing he asked Mary. Now he's asking the 11. What's wrong with you guys? How are you confused with the worst tragedy humanity's ever seen? Right? We look at our world. We look at things getting worser and darker. We're like, oh, well, that's why I'm troubled. And we point to all kinds of things. And God's like, why are you troubled? Why do you let doubts arise? I, I got to hit this one just for a little bit longer than maybe some other ones. Why do you let doubts arise? See, all of us, we all said we're believers. And I believe you. I believe you are a believer. That's who you are. The problem is we let doubts arise. Not in my notes, but we talked about it earlier this morning, so I'll use it. 
I said it, that, that father that said, I believe, help my unbelief. If you want to know the whole story, this dad, he came to the disciples first and said, can you heal my son? And the disciples tried to cast out the demon and they couldn't. Finally, Jesus shows up and Jesus like, the father comes to Jesus now. Your disciples couldn't do it. Can you do it? And he says, anything is possible for those who believe. Well, that's a good word. That wasn't in my notes either, but Holy Spirit, that's for you. Anything is possible for those who believe. And the disciples come to Jesus afterwards. They're like, Jesus, how come we couldn't cast out that demon? And they're asking because it wasn't their first time. Remember, he sent out the 70, not just the 12. He sent out the 70. And it says they cast out all kinds of demons. They were, they were working in signs and wonders. They were doing, this is not their first rodeo, right? They'd cast out demons. And now they're like, what's going on here? And then for me, I grew up in the church. We always know the answer, right? This kind of only comes up by prayer and fasting, right? So we seem to fast more. As you read the story more, there's a lot more nuances going on here. I'll say a deeper level is not just fasting. It's actually intimacy. Jesus knew how to have times with the Father, and he knew what was going on, not just, oh, I just slapped this. Here's this formula. You do this formula, and it works every time. Jesus is like, formula doesn't work. Relationship works. But I think there's more to that. He's saying, why do you let, your doubt, why do you let doubts arise? He's saying that to the disciples. He said it to them earlier. He's saying it to the, the Father. See, you believe. You came to me. You came to the disciples. You believe the disciples could cast out this demon. You have belief. The problem is you let doubts arise. Why am I saying this? Because Jesus says, faith the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain. To each one of us, a measure of faith has been given. You actually don't need more faith. The size of a mustard seed, it doesn't take much faith. But it is the smallest seed there is. So you can have, whoever in this room has the smallest measure of faith, you got enough faith. A miracle did not, okay, I think this needs to be said. There are some people, maybe a miracle did not happen. I'll just be real honest. My sister passed away. Passed, uh, my sister Jan passed away from cancer. My brother-in-law passed away from cancer. I believed that God was going to heal them. It wasn't because I didn't have enough faith that they weren't healed. I want to make sure that clear. Something that happened in your life, it wasn't because you didn't have enough faith. I want to get rid of that teaching and rid of that thought and what you believe. You have enough faith. Jesus is saying, why do you let doubts arise? And you're thinking, that's the same thing, Pastor. Yes and no, because Jesus said it's not the same thing. So I'm going to go off of what Jesus says. He says, you have faith, but you're letting doubts arise. In a sense, like, like a garden. I am not a gardener. I do not have a green thumb. I'm throwing a lot of people under the bus. I'll do it again. I, might, I do not have a green thumb, but there might be a little bit more green in my thumb than in my wife's thumb. Um, <laughs> I think every plant we have bought has died that she's tried to water. Um, but in gardening, I know this truth from hearing from other people, um, not from life experience. But when you plant a seed in good soil and you water it and you give all these things, not only does that seed grow, weeds begin to grow. I, I, I paid a lot of money to put sod in my backyard. So I didn't even try to do the seed thing. I was like, let's skip the seed thing. I don't have a green thumb. Let's just pay someone else to grow it for me. And I just put it on top and let it grow, right? So I paid a lot of money to have this saw grow. And it was all 100% good grass, my entire backyard. Well, that was eight years ago. It is not beautiful, green, lush 
just grass anymore. It is covered with all kinds of different weeds. And I just say at this point, whatever's green, just keep watering it. That's my theory right now in the backyard. Um, But that is a picture of letting doubts arise. Your garden. You might have faith. I've got some good grass still in my backyard, but I also got a whole lot of other things in my backyard. And that's what's going on in our relationship with Jesus. I've got faith in Jesus, but we let these things come in, and then we see them like, oh, it's not a big deal, and it grows. Oh, another one over here, oh, it's not a big deal, and it grows. And Jesus is saying, you got to stop these things. It's the unbelief. You do believe. I got that. You are a believer, but you're letting doubts arise. When something comes up, and you hear something on the news, and it stirs something in you, he's saying, don't stop right there. Turn it off and say, Lord, forgive me for my unbelief. What if we did that? And I, I'm being, just saying news. I'm saying anything in life. Giving tithe and offering. Lord, ah, but if I give the tithe and offering, I'm not going to have enough to pay that bill. Well, that's unbelief. Yeah, I believe you're my provider, God. But in this one thing, that's unbelief. You have the belief. It's finding those things that you are not believing. And I've already given examples, but I feel like I'm not supposed to give a ton because the Holy Spirit wants to tailor make this message to each one of you. How are you stewarding your unbeliefs? Jesus says you're foolish, you're slow to believe because you let doubts arise. Jesus, man, before Jesus went to the cross, every single one of those disciples was 100% guaranteed that he was the Messiah. They knew. I mean, Jesus said, man, I will do, I'll lay down my life for you, Jesus. He's like, yeah, right. Before the rooster crows tonight, you're going to deny me. Jesus, he knows all this, and he's not angry. I guess I love that story. I'm using the analogy of me even talking to one of my kids. My kids messed, one of my kids messed up. Did it ruin my entire outlook of that child? They had a rough morning. They needed some generosity and kindness that they didn't deserve. That's how our father is in heaven. He's not looking at you and saying, oh, you foolish, unbelieving idiots. Like, he's like, no, my grace, my mercies are new every morning. Great is my faithfulness. Your faithfulness can look like weeds. But I'm so good to you. And so he says that. So that's in verse 25. And then Luke 24, 38. He said to them, why are you troubled? Right? And why do you let these doubts arise in your hearts? Let's keep going. So we did John and Luke, Mark. kind of the same thing. Mark 16, 14. You think Jesus, his first words are going to be really kind to his disciples? Here it is. 16, 14. Later, so at first he appeared to two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And now he appears to all the disciples. Later he appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table. And he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of hearts because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. So Jesus is saying, you didn't believe the prophets? You didn't believe me before I was crucified. And then I showed up to some other disciples and you didn't believe them either. You didn't believe the women. And so he's rebuking their unbelief. Okay, instead of saying you, there's people in this room, I'll say me. I've heard of testimonies where God showed up and done something extremely ridiculously miraculous in someone's life. And as they were telling me the story, I'm just being real and honest with you. I took it with a grain of salt. I was like, 
they're probably exaggerating a, little, a lot. Because I didn't experience it for myself. It was their testimony. It was their story. And I was like, well, yeah, I believe God does miracles, but, like, that's a little crazy. Come on. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. I did it for them. I revealed myself to these people, to the prophets, blah, blah, blah. And you are still not believing. There's so much. I, I hate to make, I, I really want to be careful that we don't grow in this church to have a spirit that, like, we're believers and there's other churches that don't believe in the full gospel. That is so arrogant and prideful and I don't ever want to be that way. At the same time, I don't want to mince words and not speak the truth. There are people who are believers, some in this room, some in other churches. I'm not trying to label anybody who believe that Jesus died for their sins and they can go to heaven. They believe that huge miracle, but they won't believe him for any other miracles. Well, healing, well, that was back for 2,000 years ago. Well, speaking in tongues, well, that was for, you know, back then in the church age, like early church age. I'm not trying to put people on blast. I'm just trying to say there's things we don't believe because we haven't experienced it for ourselves. And Jesus is saying, you don't get a pass. Just because you didn't experience it yourself doesn't mean it's not any less real. You still have to believe. We're talking about Thomas. What did Jesus say to Thomas? He said, great. Now that you put your fingers in my hands and you had this personal encounter, good job, Thomas. But blessed are those who have never seen and yet believe. There are some of you in this room, maybe you've never seen a demon cast out of somebody. That's okay. You don't have to see that to actually believe it. And God actually says, blessed are you for believing something you've never even seen or encountered yourself. So he rebukes it. I'm telling you, when I was preparing this message and I read this, I stopped. And I said, Jesus, can you rebuke the unbelief out of me? Rebuke it. I pray often, I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. I pray when there's things where I recognize the enemy is doing something and attacking my family, attacking the church, attacking our nation. Man, can I tell you, in these last several months, I actually felt it one time. I was doing spiritual warfare, and I was saying, I rebuke, the Lord rebuke you. I said it that way. The Lord rebuke you. And I felt a demonic presence come into my house, and fear, I felt fear come. I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be taking on principalities. Like, maybe like common household demons, maybe I should try to take care of those. But like, <laughs> over the whole nation, maybe I should take it easy, Ryan. And these thoughts came into my mind. Like, I was like going after principalities. I was like, oh, I'm just being real. I'm just trying to be honest with you. It's not all just like, oh, you wave a wand and everything happens. It's like, no. There really are demons. Maybe we haven't encountered them, but they're real. And we can actually believe that we can cast out demons. How do I say that? Because you all said in this room that you're a believer. You ready for what Jesus says in Mark? This is what Jesus says in Mark chapter 16. His last words to, to his disciples, to you and me. 16, uh, 17a, let's just do 17a. And these signs will follow those who believe. In red letters in my Bible and your Bible, Jesus' words, he says, signs will follow those who believe. You, everyone in this room, I think everyone in this room said you're a believer. So you don't get to pick and choose, well, I just believe Jesus for my, saving me for my sins. No, I take Jesus at his word. I don't get to pick pieces And that's all, no, the whole of God's word. And he said, these signs will follow. 
It was a command. It was a declaration. It was prophetic. It was a teaching moment. Take it for whatever it is. Signs are supposed to follow believers. I'm okay if this church gets labeled as a little bit crazy. That they have like signs and wonders and weird things that happen over there. Amen. Amen. Because according to God's word, signs follow those who believe. They, I mean, they had a demonic person walk in their sanctuary and they stopped the whole service and they cast out a demon. Like, I don't want to go to a church service like that. Okay, then don't go to church service like that. But I want to follow God's word. I don't want to create an atmosphere that makes everybody comfortable. That's nowhere in this book. Make people comfortable. No. Signs will follow those who believe. I, I, like I said, I, I'm really trying to be careful because I don't want to be arrogant. I really don't want to want... The enemy doesn't care which side you fall off on. Either don't believe signs and wonders are for today or believe they are for today and judge everyone else. Don't fall off either side. Can we just actually believe Jesus for his words and just go for it and let the chips fall where they may? What signs will follow? They will cast out demons, 17b, so the whole 17. I just said these signs will follow. Luke's, no, sorry, Mark 16, 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. And then it even gets weird that I can't even, I'm the pastor with the Bible college, I can't even fully explain. I can give you some explanation. I've read commentaries. I understand the next part. But fully, I don't think, I, I think it's just in there to make pastors squirm a little bit. In my name, they will cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll lay, oh, I, oh, what does it say? If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay, uh, oh, let's get the serpent ones. Oh, they will take up serpents. There we beginning. There we go. Verse 18. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Am I saying that if you lay hands on a sick person and they don't get healed, you don't have enough faith? That's not what I'm saying. It's actually not your faith that healed somebody. It's Jesus is the healer. I'm not the healer. My job is just to believe Jesus is who he says he is. And do what he's told me to do. Lay hands on the sick and pray for them. If he heals them, he healed them. If he doesn't heal them, he didn't heal them. But I've got to steward my doubts and pull up those weeds. All right, I know I'm already over. All right, if that, I got to say it. So Mark 16, we just read that, right? They'll cast out demons, speak in new tongues, heal the sick, all those things. And then we get this phrase that a lot of people don't like hearing. But Jesus said it earlier in John. John, as the Gospels, he talks the most about belief, right? John 3, 16. You want to read the Gospel of John? He talks a lot about understanding what belief, faith is. I can give you lots of scriptures, right? Uh, apart from faith, it's impossible to do what? Please God. Please God. I think most of us in this room, we want to please God. This idea of faith and belief, it actually brings pleasure to God when he sees us doing things that take risk. Okay, I'm just going to believe God for this. I don't know how it's going to, I don't know what the result is. I don't know what, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just believing. God's like, oh, I love that. He loves that. 
But this says in John 14, 12, Jesus read letters. I don't have it up for it, but it says this. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, you all said you're believers. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than than these he will do. You said you're a believer. So guess what? You just signed your life away to do everything Jesus did. Raise the dead, heal the sick, everything. We're not exempt. And I, and I love, I love the qualifications of Jesus. He who goes to Bible college and is saved for at least 10 years and studies and, and has memorized this many books of the Bible, what's the qualification to do what Jesus did? Belief. I don't care if you're one day old in the Lord. I don't care if you're five years old. I don't care if you're 105 years old. If you believe in Jesus, you are qualified to do everything he did. And to end it, this is just the cherry on top. Matthew, this is my Easter story that I've said more than one Easter morning. What is the very first red letters in your Bible of the resurrected Christ? Rejoice. Rejoice, Matthew 28, 9. And they went to tell his disciples, right? The women went to the tomb. They found it empty. And so they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. So they came and held him by his feet and worshiped him. This isn't a scary message. This isn't a message to make you feel bad and like, oh, I don't have enough faith. That's not what Jesus is saying this morning. He's saying, would you rejoice and be glad that all you have to do is believe and I'll do the rest? It's that simple. I had you say three times, I'm a believer. Who in this room is actually going to act like a believer? You're actually going to do what we just read this morning. Who here is actually going to do what a believer is supposed to do? I'm going to go for it. It's not up to me to make it happen. I can't make someone get healed, but I can believe Jesus can do it. That's easy enough for me. So as we close the service, actually just close your eyes. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? I could go in 10 different directions right now. Really ask him, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? There's someone in this room, you need to work on believing what God says about you. When I say you let doubts arise, you're letting other voices arise and tell you and dictate who you are. And he's saying, don't let that happen. Believe in me. Believe in what I say about you. There's someone in this room, you need to believe for a miracle. (laughs) I'm going to say, I... It was not in my mind till just now, and I, then I felt like I, I need to be careful and not say it, but I'm just going to say it. Some of you, you'd love to get pregnant. And you do have faith. You do believe. And God's not saying he's frustrated with your unbelief. He's saying, would you just steward your unbelief? Keep believing. <laughs> like that journey song, don't stop believing. Maybe that's your jam for this next week. Put it on repeat. Don't stop believing.
I can't nail every single one of you what God is saying, but I can give an opportunity. If you know the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and you need to believe, maybe someone in this room, you need to believe and put your faith in Jesus Christ for the first time, you're gonna have an opportunity to do that. So if you, I'm just gonna say this, if you know that God is speaking to you this morning and you know that you need to act like a believer, you said with your mouth that you are a believer, but you know the Holy Spirit is saying, it's time you act like a believer and God is saying that to you this morning, would you stand? And I'll ask the ministry team up front as we sing this last worship song. And if you just need prayer, like I said, you need to ask Jesus into your heart for the first time, come get some prayer. If you need a miracle, come get some prayer. Whatever it is, respond. And we're just gonna wait on the Lord. We're gonna let him do what he wants to do.